Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. It is your job to understand, not to do it all, but to understand it. It's one of the fundamentals of being a business owner is understanding legals. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Joining me today is Corinne Boudreau, owner of Online Legal Essentials. Good morning, hello, good afternoon, good evening. We'll cover all the times, how about that? (laughs) Perfect, perfect. And uh, I am so excited to have you here today because you've had quite an entrepreneurial journey yourself, Corinne. So I'm wondering if you could lead us through that a little bit to start things off. Oh my goodness. Yes, I have. Sometimes it, it seems logical looking back on it, but definitely it did have some, some bumps in the road. So I, I, I like to talk, go back to my time when I was an undergrad. I went to Acadia for my undergrad degree and I actually did a business degree. And it seems like that would have been a logical time to start an entrepreneurial journey. But back when I did a business degree, entrepreneurship wasn't talked about. And I say that now and people say, that is so weird. But at that time, I honestly thought that I had to invent something. Like if I didn't invent Velcro, that I really shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So it really wasn't part of my mindset back then. I didn't have any entrepreneurs in my family. Mm. So after that, I I spent some time traveling, you know, traveling the world, doing a bunch of weird jobs, like selling vacuum cleaners door to door. I'll leave out some of those details. But eventually I found... I need to know more about that one, Corinne. (laughs) Selling vacuum cleaners door to door. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get into that? Well, I was trying to save up money to go backpacking. So, uh, and I I ended up going backpacking for four months with my friend Jillian all around Europe. Um, But I kind of took any job that came my way. And so one of the jobs that I saw advertised was selling Kirby vacuum cleaners. And Kirby vacuum cleaners are actually... I think Oprah sold Kirby's as mm-hmm. did like Johnny Carson and a bunch of other famous people. Not as many people know about them in Canada, but they're very expensive, very awesome vacuum cleaners. But I did spend some time. So we would go over first thing in the morning, go over to Burnside, you know, in a nondescript warehouse somewhere, get all pumped up. They'd fire us into a white van and <laughs> drive, us, drive us down to Pictou County to some <laughs> unsuspecting town like Trenton and then we would drive around Trenton like looking for this is what we were looking for you know sometimes in entrepreneurship we talking about identifying your ideal client avatar or whatever Um, we would look for kind of like modest house fancy car that's what we would look for fancy car fancy boat it looked like they spent money on things but a pretty um, you know basic house and then we would load, you know, run out of the van with our free gift, knock on the door, and then hope that they would let us in. So yeah, that was an interesting job. 
Sorry, yes, uh, thank you for that digression. <laughs> so you had traveled around Europe. Yeah, and then I came back, I ended up in law school. And I say this, my dad was a lawyer, so it should have been obvious. And I think, again, if you were to talk to friends and family, they would have said, yeah, Corinne, we knew you were going to be a lawyer. But I kind of had to get there myself. So I did go to law school, got a job right, right out of first year law school, which was great. Practice with a big firm. And that was great. And I learned, you know, you cut your teeth, you learn a lot of the basic skills, worked with some great, um, you know, Nova Scotia companies that became national and all this kind of stuff. But I really hit a wall. And you guys, some of you guys know, I then wrote a song about that, which I now call my soul sucking situation, which I'm not singing today. But um, that that was kind of a fork in the road where I realized I didn't, I wanted to do something different. So that's really when this entrepreneurial spirit bubbled back up. And I decided um, to start my own law firm. So that's where it started. You sort of do what should what business should I start? So I actually did. Again, people don't always believe this. I did actually think about starting other businesses at that time, but then it became kind of the logical choice. I'm a lawyer, um, but I had a blank piece of paper. So again, I didn't take any clients from my old firm. I actually spent some time working at Deloitte in between those two times, but um, I, started, I started with a blank piece of paper. And that's an awesome place to be able to start as an entrepreneur, because then you get to, you know, you talk about drawing the boxes, you get to make the own, your own um, business model. So that's really where I started. I had been practicing on my own and I changed some things up, you know, was very specialized um, and took only sort of certain types of clients, worked very remotely. So I'm one of these weird people that have been using Zoom for probably like seven or eight years now, however long Zoom's been a around. Um, so I had a virtual office um, and that was cool. But again, I started getting questions from people and it became clear, like there really needed to be more education and awareness around legal issues. Lawyers often just sit in their offices waiting for the email or waiting for their phones to ring. And often business owners don't call early enough or don't even identify the issues. So around that same time, I got a call from Nora Perry, who's at the Center for Women in Business in Halifax. And she said, Corinne, I'm always getting legal questions. And we have some funding for um, course programs. Would you like to create a course curriculum? And actually, when I got the call from Nora, I was actually in PEI with my family, um, halfway into like five pounds of muscles, and I'd had a couple of beer. Um, and I was like, and this was in August. And I was like, yes, that sounds great. Create a 40-hour curriculum for a course, <laughs> you know, halfway through a bunch of muscles and beer. And then... The next day I sort of go, hmm, 40 hours of course curriculum. But anyway, that's, that's kind of where the course journey started because uh, I had this opportunity to create course content. Soon after, like, and this is a live in-person course. So soon, soon after thinking about, okay, I'm gonna create this course content, it became clear to me, ooh, I should make this into an online course. This is about four years ago and online courses are I mean, they've been around longer than that, but they were really just starting to take off. So then I started exploring, ooh, I need to learn more about online courses um, and I need to learn more about the whole online space. So that led me down the path of my friend, Amy Porterfield, who I know some of you are familiar with too. And I talk about way too much. I'm sure she's always like, her ears are burning when I'm talking about her. But I was lucky to find her and then learn all about, you know, all things 
online courses, but also digital marketing. So that was kind of another step along my entrepreneurial journey was did getting into any, the online space. Did you run into any resistance or uh, barriers where, you know, about taking legal online courses, like to take that online for the lay person versus, um, you know, curriculum for lawyers? Yeah, definitely. And I still get that question. Oh, are your courses for lawyers? Like, I think some people think they're like continuing professional development for lawyers. Uh, yeah, I have, you know, some of it, I'm sure I get a lot more of it if I ask people or if I even hung out with more lawyers. <laughs> but now I tend to hang out with more. I mean, I'm married to a lawyer. I've actually taken over his, uh, some of his workspace right now, so that it will be a little bit more quiet recording this. But um, yeah, I don't, I guess I probably haven't canvassed lawyers that much to say, oh, what do you think about teaching law to business owners? But I definitely have heard some pushback. Um, but again, I think it's like lots of other things, financial literacy. I'm sure at some point, accountants and bookkeepers and financial advisors were like, oh, I don't know if we should teach people about, you know, managing their finances. Like, can they even understand that? Like, again, I just put it into that category. I think, again, I don't think anything that I teach people turns them into a lawyer or makes them feel like they went to law school, but I think it gives them um, more comfort around dealing with legal issues. So I kind of put it into the category of legal literacy, but I'm sure there are some people especially because now I do sell templates mm. and, and template bundles. I'm sure there are people out there who think um, you really should not be putting templates in the hands of business owners because oh. that, could be, that could be dangerous. Like I've, I've kind of heard some of that, those underpinnings, but yeah, oh. I think, you know, I think that's why I've always kind of tried to marry that with some, some information and educational content too, to be like, oh, we're talking about non-disclosure agreements. Here, here are all the key points that you should be thinking about. Here are some of the contexts that you might want to use this rather than just being like, here's a two-page you know, NDA. It feels like the online world in particular is a little, still a little bit wild, wild west when it comes to what people are doing and how they're doing it. So what does the legal, if, if entrepreneurs who are in that sphere have these documents or are able to implement, what do you think it gives them? Well, I don't think I would have guessed some of the words that people use. Like, I think I would have said, well, I don't know. It's, it's hard to go back in time. People, when I talk to clients, people who've bought them, the thing that keeps coming up over and over again is like peace of mind, relief. Relief is a big word. That word relief keeps coming back over and over again. And peace of mind is the other thing. So I think you can sometimes build things up in your mind. Like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. You know, I want to put a contract in place. And so then once they really get into it, they feel, yeah, a sense of relief and peace of mind. And just like someone else said solid. Like I feel more solid yeah. when I'm going out and talking to new clients when I'm creating new relationships, when I'm hiring people, like these are all things that sometimes feel daunting. Um, and maybe it's not even the business piece of it, but it's like, there's this underlying weird feeling that you have like, oh, is this like, do I have this? And I think again, what comes back is people feel a lot more solid when they, when they know a little bit more and then when right. they have, have a template and some information to work from. 
Is there ever a time when you say this is great, the templates are great, but here's when you should actually go and engage a lawyer in your situation? Are there specifics that you want people to be aware of on that side? Like templates are great, but then when, when do you need more? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I hate to use the lawyer answer of it. Yeah. It really depends, but there are, <laughs> there are some contexts where again, things are complicated. Like you might be in an industry that's very highly regulated or something like that. And again, that might be a time where you need to figure out, is there something else that I need to be doing? Uh, that's one thing that pops to mind. Um, again, sometimes client requirements, like sometimes you're dealing with clients who might have additional, like they might require all kinds of insurance from you or something else. So um, it's kind of like many other things. I say it's a little bit like DIY, like home repairs. Like I am not a handy person, so I'm not as comfortable. I could go and talk to someone at a local hardware store and they could give me all the right materials. I'm not as competent to deal with those as somebody else might be. Somebody else might be like, oh yeah, I got this, not a problem. So some of it does come down to individuals, like how they feel about all this stuff too. Some people, okay. I, I mean, there's some business owners who draft so many contracts in their area are so familiar with their industry that they are, you know, very qualified. And again, other people don't feel as comfortable with it, but I guess what I try to do is bring everyone's, you know, again, the level of legal literacy up a bit, but there definitely are some complex situations. Mm. Um, why do you think, I always think that people are scared of lawyers or of legal things. Why do you think that is? Well, we, we have things like gavels and we dress in suits. And I think some of it is honestly like a thing that's put on by the legal profession. Like we could have a whole other, um, you know, I have had a discussion with someone recently where I was like the legal system, like many other systems, very patriarchal, you know, very patriarchal, very like hierarchical struct, like the structures of the legal system have been designed in a way to be difficult and to be oh, adversarial too. And oh yeah, yeah, adversarial for sure. So I think again, um, and if you ever, you know, any watch any US lawyer commercials, it's all like, <laughs> I'm your SOB, you know? So some, there's some of that that gets put on. But again, I mean, I'm not saying lawyers are dumb. Lawyers are generally smart people, but I don't think it's something that's so far beyond the comprehension of the average business owner. But I think a lot of that is, it's honestly, some of it's probably intentionally put on by the legal profession. And some of it's probably just a product of a system that's meant to be very, yeah. Interesting. It, it, it's set up to, I think, intimidate and be hard to, to get into sometimes. How do you, like, so really you've gone from a traditional law firm, starting your own, and now you've started an online business, if you will. Uh, in particular, the online business feels like a big shift, a big leap. Like, how did you, what did you have to do to prepare for that mentally? Or did you just kind of blindly go off the cliff and hope that you would be okay? How did you do that? Well, it was a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B, let's be honest. But um, you can always prepare and then you just have to jump, right? But um, again, I think really investing and in going to some of those events with Amy Porterfield. So I've actually, I went to California, I went to San Diego, 
where she was living at the time, uh, three times in the course of two years. And that really helped build up the skills for an online business. So, I mean, and, you know, other people who are listening to this and watching along with us will know, you don't realize all the other things that go along with having an online business. Like you become a content creator, not just the content for your online programs, but like all the other content, or even you, you have to become an expert in like email marketing and like all these other things and funnels. And so I think getting a strong foundation from someone, I'm not saying everyone has to go study Amy Porterfield, but find, I mean, it helped to have some foundation to be like, okay, here are all the pieces that go along with having an online business. The other huge thing, and I think we all know this sort of intuitively too, particularly women know this, is like being in a community of people who are doing similar things that you're doing, um, they can help you get over those humps. You know, mm -hmm. whether you're like, whether it's something technical, like, oh my God, I have this like freebie lead magnet thing and no one's downloading it. And, you know, people can talk you through that, but people can also talk you through like, oh man, I just did a launch and no one bought my thing. And now I feel like a loser and da da da, you know? So there's definitely a huge mindset piece, but I think having, like, I'm a learning nerd for sure. Like I go and learn, I've taken courses recently in like Facebook ads and like digital um, licensing, digital materials and all kinds of stuff. So I never stop learning. But I think having, feeling like I had a solid foundation, but also having this community of other online business owners around me has made a huge difference. Cause you can talk through all that, all the, all the mindset stuff, but also all the technical stuff. Right. So it's almost like um, having a place where, you know, it makes it less scary because there's others going through the same journey. Yeah. I mean, again, a, a lot of my, if you talk to my family and friends, they would tell you that I'm an adventurous sort anyway. So yeah, I, I like to, I like a good adventure, whether that's like trying a new local gin or, you know, starting an online business or, you know, going off to play hockey with a bunch of people. I don't know, whatever it is, I'm up Here's for it. Your so, game for it. <laughs> I think that is a good, that is a good trait to have as an entrepreneur for, for sure. Cause you never know, you never know what's coming down. You know. Right. So you're taught, it, it seems like you're talking about a little bit about resilience, adaptability, and, uh, you know, being unafraid to some degree. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think I know you, you know, I, I don't know whether to call myself an athlete or a former athlete. I still do play things, but let's be honest, I'm not an elite athlete, uh, if I ever was. But I mean, I think a lot of that comes from my sports background, like you're just used to, again, throwing things. Oh yeah. Thank you for the comments. Uh, someone's Kelsey's commenting that I'm still a current athlete. Yes. I did play hockey last weekend. I played two hockey games last weekend. Um, thank you, Nova Scotia for everyone wearing your masks and stay in the blazes home and all that kind of stuff. So we are able to play hockey. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of those traits just come from that. Like you never know in a hockey game, what's going to happen. I was joking with someone, a couple of, uh, in women's hockey, especially the craziest things happen. We were getting ready for a game a couple of years ago. And just before, you know, the coach is giving you your final instructions, like this is who's going out first and, you know, throw it up the boards and la da da da. And then the coach goes, Oh yeah, by the way, their goalie is pregnant. And we're like, their goalie is pregnant. Like, what do I do with that piece of information? Like, I have no idea. Do we not, 
do I not stand in front of her? Do I not shoot at her midsection? Like, I don't know. Anyway. So, oh, wow. That is a lot of <laughs> And that kind of information, again, gets fired at you in an online business all the time. Like you find out you have a new competitor or again, someone asks you like a weird question or again, something, something really starts to sell like crazy or something doesn't sell that you thought would or so anyway. Yeah. What do you see the biggest gaps with business owners and legal? Well, like I think what the, top, yeah. what, if you were to say the top three mistakes entrepreneurs make from a legal perspective yeah. or omissions or. Right. I mean, I think part of it really is the mindset piece, like just being afraid of it and almost wanting to hide from it. I, I, I just got some like photos, new photos done. And one of them is like me hiding under a duvet with a bunch of law books around me. And I feel like that is what a lot of business owners feel when they think about legal. So I think one of it is, again, if you can convince people to think about their financial issues and all the other scary stuff, like, again, some people are like, oh, my God, copywriting or, you know, there's lots of things in business that we we may not really love immediately or not be naturally inclined to. So one of its mindset, like you can understand this. And at really, as the CEO of a business, it is your job to understand, not to do it all, but to understand it. It's one of the fundamentals of being a business owner is understanding legal. So I'd say mindset's one. And then um, I'd say number two, again, I talk so much about contracts. And again, when I teach, I talk, you know, I spend a lot of time going through the basics of contracts, but not having contracts in place. Like they're having things written down and having like these legally enforceable promises, you know, set out in a contract, whether it's again, face to face, get it in writing. That's right. Um, whether you're face to face with your clients or whether you're online or wherever you are, just getting clear on expectations. And again, some of that does come back to mindset because sometimes people say to me, Ooh, I don't want my clients to sign a contract. Like they might think that I don't trust them. And it actually sometimes goes completely the opposite way. I had someone say, oh, I was going to sign up with this coach for, you know, a, a coaching package that was tens of thousands of dollars. And they, they had like a one page kind of welcome letter. And I was like, really, should I feel comfortable giving this person my, my tens of thousands of dollars if this is all they have in place? So it kind of goes both ways. But I would say, like not putting, not thinking of legal as a system in your business. Again, we think about lots of systems, but I think contracts should really be part of the systems of your business. So whether that's, again, your client contract, your privacy policy, you know, your, your terms of use on your website, all those kinds of things, it's a system. It should be a system in your business. And once you do kind of systematize it, it just becomes part of the, the structure and the foundation of it and it gets easier. Again, you're not gonna do a contract once and never have to change it. But again, if you're starting from a good place, um, you'll have that, it's like any other system in your business. If you're kind of going to your accountant this time of year with a, I don't think anyone has Sobeys bags anymore, but a, a Sobeys bag full of receipts, that's not ideal. So that's sometimes that's still how people treat their legal stuff. Like uh, once a year, maybe if I have to, you're dragging me kicking and screaming to have that conversation. That's right. And it may come up like, again, when something uh, like a, a bad things happen, like someone's decided not to pay you or someone's taken your, someone's taken some of your content and using it on their own website or 
something like that. So, One of the things I've noticed is I think people, when presented with a contract, sometimes don't feel like they can negotiate those terms. I've seen that. Like, I sometimes have gotten contracts and I've looked at them and I'm like, oh, well, I can tell everything that ever happened wrong with this person <laughs> because all these clauses are in and they're not always applicable to what the, the relationship we're entertaining. So I've had clauses removed, but I sometimes feel like people don't think they can do that. Right. And again, I think that's an advanced skill. That's like backwards crossovers. If we were talking about hockey analogies, like you have to learn to skate the circles forwards first and then start doing forwards crossovers. So you've got a certain basis of legal literacy, right? You're comfortable with contracts. You've seen a lot of contracts. You kind of know what's in there. You know what's important to you. You know what's important to your clients. So, and then negotiating is kind of the next step because once then you become comfortable with what is this contract doing? What's the purpose of it? You know, what are we protecting? What are, what are the expectations? Then, then you can negotiate from that place. Because again, then you've got the sort of basics. But it's really hard to jump to negotiation if you're looking at a 20-page contract and you're like, it is complete yes. gobbledygook, right? Then you don't even, you can't even pick out what those clauses are that are irrelevant because um, you can't yeah, even so identify whether them. whether you have contracts, people may be expecting you to sign them. So you're having a degree of legal literacy will help you understand the implications of some of these clauses, or at least no, I don't know what this means. I should ask somebody. That's right. Yeah. And then you'll start to see them. I always say this, this happens. So the course that I teach in, in live is 10 weeks. And over the 10 week period, I'm going to say, once we talk about a certain clause, you're going to start seeing it in all kinds of contracts. So, you know, you talk about like a privacy or confidentiality clause, all of a sudden you start seeing that popping up in all kinds of places, or you see like a licensing terms, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing these. So again, it's like anything else, like awareness is kind of the first piece and then, then understanding. And then again, you get to, then it becomes a tool in your tool belt. So then you're like, Ooh, I know about these types of clauses. Now, where can I put them in where it, you know, can help me and be useful for me. That's awesome. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the online business, because it seems like 2020 told us all that we should have some element of that or be contemplating that. Um, what do you think are the biggest um, mistakes that online uh, business makers, people make, or how even thinking about that mistake? And then also how, if you have an idea, like a course idea, how, what's the best way to approach that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things, again, I would say some of the rocks, some of the big rocks are the same. So again, the contracts are still important, like figuring out what your legal structure should be is still important. But I think things like, again, understanding copyright law is something that's become more important in the online world, again, because lots of businesses have become content creators. So copyright laws protect your content. So you do need to have some basic understanding of like what what criteria do you have to meet? What categories of things fall under copyright? And then again, how can you use like licensing agreements or licensing terms and other agreements um, to protect your content and how not to infringe on other people's copyright. So don't just go grabbing videos and, and images from all over the internet and sticking them in your own stuff. So I think that like, if, if anything, if there's one area of law that I see like, you know, people, again, may not have been thinking about as much. 
copyright's definitely one of them. I mean, again, if you're running an online business, you do have to have all the website stuff, right? So again, privacy policy, disclaimers, uh, and copyright notice, terms of use, those are kind of the four things on your website. So your website kind of becomes your online home. So it's good, just like if you were starting a physical office, you would, you would make sure that there was proper lighting and signage and all this kind of stuff. Having your website stuff together is, is important for online businesses. And then beyond that, I mean, again, there are things like I was just, I've become a bit of a, a clubhouse junkie. I was just in a clubhouse room earlier this week, people talking about anti-spam rules. There was just a guy who was, uh, he was a serial spammer for sure, but he just got a $75,000 fine from the CRTC for like spamming, like a lot of spam. That's the first time I've heard of a fine. Yeah, no, there have been fines. Again, a lot of times there have been, it's been fairly egregious cases. So a lot of, you know, as a small business owner, you would definitely be warned before you would ever get a fine that big. But Mm. again, just understanding. So there's, there are some unique things to, again, running an online business or become more important, like understanding anti-spam, the castle rules in Canada and GDPR and any other, um, email rules that might apply to you hmm. so along the journey then you look back which it all makes sense now to you but what has been uh what what would you say was the the biggest lesson that you've learned or the hardest lesson oh man hard lessons um well i think all of this i mean i'm i wake up up every morning very optimistic i'm an optimist but you do find out that when you're building a new business and a new category, like, again, there are American lawyers who do similar things to what I do. I was kind of the first Canadian lawyer selling online courses and templates. There are a couple, a few more who have uh, jumped into the fray now, but it is tough when you're in a new product category to explain to people. Some people get it um, like just so fast some people are just like yes here's my credit card yes sign me up i want to buy all your stuff um but yeah i think whatever it is it it takes longer and i think this is just like anything else again if i go back to the um home renovations like home renovations always take longer than you would hoped unless you have a super maybe if you've done it before you have a super great contractor but anything that you're building it just takes a while. So I think that's, that's kind of a tough lesson. I think very few people slap up a website and have an online store and all of a sudden it's just like raining money. So I think it does take time, but again, you can kind of figure out what are the, what are the building blocks of that? So it actually, I mean, and I think that was kind of good for me because I did do a transition where I was practice, still practicing law and running the online business. So I kind of, you know, built the online business side by side with a more traditional law practice. Um, And then as of January, 2021, I've really thrown myself into it. What what do you think is your biggest success so far? Oh man, this is, this is always harder for me. Um, Well, I don't know. I'm doing it. I'm just doing it. Like, Like it was, it was that so, actually is a big success for a lot of people. Yeah. 
that's right. I mean, I think I had a vision like probably three or four years ago that I would get to where I am now. Yeah. And so even just to look back and be like, now I'm doing that. So, um, I mean, building an online course again is, is a lot of work. It's hard. It's a lot of blood, sweat and tears as anyone who's built one knows. And again, like building out all the platforms and, and then, and then having people who you don't know buy your stuff. I mean, that is awesome. Like that never stops being awesome. I don't know when that stops being awesome, um, but it hasn't yet. And uh, so getting into 2021, I've started to build relationships with affiliate partners. Oh yeah. So that feels really awesome too, because um, again, getting other people who believe in the products that you've built and enough to the point where they're like, yeah, I want to help you get this out to the world. Um, and I want to tell my community. So again, lots of other online business owners who have their, have built their own communities. They're now starting to say, Oh, I want to, can I bring you into my community? Talk to my community about this stuff. And then I want to help promote your products. Again, that feels pretty awesome. And some of these people, again, I, I've just met. So um, it's not like old friends who are just doing me a solid. It's <laughs> It's like, uh, and it, it, it must feel interesting um, to see how your impact is rippling out, like that you're changing, you're helping people very many steps removed from yourself, where normally it would be someone sitting across from you that you're helping. Yeah, it's funny when occasionally I get tagged in a Facebook group and I, and I see the comments later and it's like, I saw someone this week saying, um, they were looking for a Canadian lawyer for some purpose. And I saw this woman chime in and say, I follow Corinne Boudreau on Instagram and I've heard really good things about her. And it just felt really weird. Like, again, I don't even know where this, yeah, I don't, awesome. I, I can't really connect the dots, but somebody out there is, is hearing good things about me. So yeah, that's kind of cool. I, I love that. This is my favorite question. So it's kind of my last before we open it up for everybody else um, is, Looking back now or knowing what you know now, is there a TED talk? Is there a video? Is there a book that you go, I wish I had watched that at the front end of this journey? Ooh. Um, I don't know. There's not one that jumps to mind. I mean, the book that I, and I've said this lots of times, when people have asked me the book that I keep coming back to and back to is Simon Sinek start with why. And I think you can, it's one of those books. I'm not saying it's the greatest book ever, but I keep coming back to it. And it's one of the books that I read differently every time I go back and read it. And I think you understand it. I understand it more deeply now than I did years ago. You say, Oh, that's nice. Like start with why. But again, um, <laughs> you can draw, you can draw all the circles and, you know, he's got this methodology, but again, don't, you know, um, I'm start. I guess maybe it's becoming more profound to me because I'm starting to understand my customers why more and more mm. and connecting that with my why. So yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just like to go back to that one. I guess I did read it years ago, but it's one that I just keep coming back to and back to the more I understand. Again, the more people I get into this and start understanding their why and how it connects to my why, then it, uh, it just makes more and more sense as I go back to it. Hmm, interesting. 
All right, does anyone have any questions? Just unmute yourself and I'll bring you up to the forefront. Oh, here comes Melanie, here we come. Always me. <laughs> um, I am a huge like fan and not a groupie because that's weird. Not that you're not worthy of that, Corinne, but I'm a huge fan from personal experience of the benefits as an entrepreneur, as a new entrepreneur, with no legal background, but a real love and appreciation for good solid processes. So what I felt, um, what I really know that you brought to me was that sense of relief, that peace of mind. And I remember in one of our first conversations because I was lucky enough to get the, um, the in-person course as well as access to the amazing templates uh, through the Center for Women in Business. Um, was that you don't really know what you don't know as an entrepreneur. And, that, and then what you describe is you either bury your head in the sand or you grasp at something or you wait till it's too late. And the, I can't tell you how many other, like I'm one of those people who are like, if, if I do see something on Facebook, it's somebody looking like, oh, Karim Boudreaux. <laughs> because I, I, I can confidently relay the value that you have given me and I know how valuable it is for other entrepreneurs. But I wanted to, I wanted to circle back um, the, the start with why and connecting with your, with your customers. Like I know from our conversations that you're a really good listener and I wonder how much you contribute your success and how much listening to your clients kind of contributed to shaping your product. Yeah, I think it's huge. And I didn't, I, I maybe did, didn't even realize how much I did that until somebody asked me the question. So somebody asked me recently, like, so in the temp, I have my signature product is this template library. And it's now over 50 templates. And someone was like, how did it get to be over 50 templates? And I'm like, because people ask me for things. So someone's like, they're a podcaster. And they're like, do you have a podcast template? someone's like doing a virtual retreat. Do you have a retreat template? So um, that's it. Some of it's happened very organically because people have, but at least I guess they've been comfortable coming to ask me for things. So again, I think that's part of the immersing myself kind of in a community of people um, who are my customers, which I think is a very different experience than at least my experience being in a law firm. You immerse yourself in a law practice. You immerse yourself in a very tall building full of lawyers and you don't tend to talk to your clients as much. You talk to them. You, 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 you bring them into the boardroom to sign pieces of paper with colored tabs on them. Um, and hopefully from time to time you have more in-depth conversations. But I just, again, for many years I've like either worked virtually or worked in co-working spaces. So I think even just that physical um, difference of, of physically locating myself back when we used to get together um, kind of changed my mindset that way. So I think, yeah, I think listening and then taking action from, from what people ask you about. So again, someone said, yeah, so I've gone down all kinds of interesting roads because of client questions. So actually a wise lawyer, I will give him credit. He said, he said to me early in my legal career, you're, you will go where your clients take you. And so 
I think that's becoming very clear now that I'm going where, where the customers are taking me. And you have to be just willing to, go, to, to take that ride, I think. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pop you out there, uh, Melanie, and I'm going to bring in Christina. Christina, are you ready to have your question? I am so ready, and I cannot show myself because I'm still in my pajamas. But um, I've been fascinated by this conversation, and thank you so much, um, uh, both Wendy and Corinne, for, sh for uh, connecting the dots in this way this morning. Uh, Corinne, I also have worked with you and you, you happen to have a, a form for exactly what I was doing as well. So I can attest to the fact that, yes, you are, you are uh, definitely a diverse source of information. Um, I, the parallels between what I'm doing with my business, it's called Bolster. And, and it, uh, I guess my, my comment lies, Corinne, in, in this idea of sort of shining a light on a need a need that's always been there, but that that people don't know they they have a need for necessarily. What I what I am trying to do is shine a light on the need for parents to understand education a little more and learning so that they can better help their kids and let the kids sort of lead the journey instead of um, it being full of conflict or uh, unproductive um, time and. I guess my question is, how do you, how did you market that? How did, how did you, how did you alert people to the fact that that need existed in their scenario? And um, how did you do that? How did you make that known? Yeah. Thanks, Christina. That is, a, it's a tough one. And I know I've seen like diagrams of like, again, the customer journey, you have to get them from through different levels of awareness, but I think, I think in some ways I started with the low hanging fruit and then some of those people who got it went and told the other people. Like, I think that's, I think sometimes that's a bit of an easier way to do it. Like again, people like Melanie who were like, this is awesome. You just sort of, um, you hope for enough Melanie's in your corner to go start telling other people about it. Um, and then some of the other people, I think you have to bring along slowly and I try to do that again with like blogs and, and crazy captions sometimes on Instagram or whatever, but that's definitely a harder, it's harder to take the people that are completely unaware that they even have a problem, like mm -hmm. to buying your thing. But I think mm -hmm. again, um, and I don't even know that this was strategic. Sometimes this is just nice happenstance, but again, I found some people that got it gave them what they needed. And then I think some of them have gone and told other people. And I've kind of, again, through some of them, either made them affiliates or gone and spoken to their communities. And then they've kind of helped me spread, right. the, spread the message and explain, again, the benefits kind of like Melanie just did, or like you did saying you, you had the thing that I needed. So yeah, but it's, I, I'm sure there've been people who've been on my email list for three years now, and they're still kind of like, they enjoy the crazy stories, but they're still like, um, I don't know that they'll ever buy anything because maybe they're just not there. I don't know. Right. Okay. So word of mouth has been a huge, a huge catalyst for, for success. And do you, do you um, work primarily in Halifax or are you beyond Halifax? 
I am beyond Halifax. And that is, <laughs> that is the beauty of the interwebs. Yes, I mean, yes. again, and my product is, it is Canada specific, but I would mm-hmm. say I sell way more stuff now in Ontario and BC, right. but definitely Ontario. And last, Ontario. last question, how did you get into Ontario? How did you do that? Did, just word of mouth again? Well, again, one of the, when I say word of mouth, like one of the great things that happened um, and I was just on a, I did a webinar in her community yesterday. So I was actually, so this is a bit of a weird thing. I was on an NSBI trade mission. So we went to a conference in Toronto. I actually went up a day early before the conference started. And that day early that I went, I went to this women's co-working space called Make Lemonade in Toronto. And mm-hmm. as I was making myself a coffee, met this woman Jennifer Trask, who's originally from Newfoundland, but she lives in Toronto. And she's become my number one affiliate. So from a conversation in a co-working space in Toronto to now like kind of ripple effects, you know? And so some of her people also have people. So maybe I've now gone and spoken in their communities. So, but I think online communities and you just kind of have to find the right ones. Just- right plant yourself in a good online community and people will start to know you. They'll be like, Oh yeah, Christina's the one who, you know, people are like, Oh yeah, Corinne's that Canadian lawyer, that Canadian online business lawyer, whatever. I'll take it. That's right on. I feel like the answer, like what we've, you said before too, is hang out where your customers are and where your clients are and, and learn from and learn what they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank I'm gonna you. go to, you're welcome. All right. Kelsey, you have a question. Unmute yourself, please. I did. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Corinne. This is great. Um, my question is around um, your interactions with the um, higher level achieving people like the Amy Porterfields. It's, is it that they're just working the system day in and day out and that's why they're successful, but they've, you know, there's a lot of building their own unique system because there's one size doesn't fit all, but it's the delegation of, you know, if it's meals or meal prep or, you know, but it's just getting the people in their own unique ability. And that's why they're able to um, perform. And plus the experience, like I think Amy started with Tony Robbins and brought him online and screwed up a lot of things early days, and, but learned together. Um, so is it just those learnings and then delegation? Yeah. I mean, I think again, uh, what I take from different online business owners that I follow, including Amy, is that she's taken her, I think she has a unique ability to be able to break things down into steps and then explain them really well. And be very, she's actually very, she's not all over the place. She's actually very systematic. So she's been sending out you know, a weekly email every Thursday for the last however many years and probably has never missed one. So I think she's taken her strength of being able to teach and break things down and explain things and systematize things. And like, she's very consistent. Again, going back to Christine, Christina's question, like people in the online space will say consistency is very important. And I think Amy Porterfield's consistency is one of her is, is one of her secret sauce. See, consistency is boring as hell. I mean, but it's, it's also harder than 
harder than you think. So again, every week I get an email from Melanie saying, hey, here's our V-Life coffee chat provider thing, which I don't, haven't made it to in quite a while, but I know it's there. And again, you're sending that out. She sends out, Amy Porterfield sends out weekly things. If she says she's going to do something every year, it happens every year, like just that consistency. Um, but I think she's also managed to, yeah, like take her secret sauce and just kind of amplify it with her team, with her systems, with her, with her people um, and surround herself with like her team is awesome. Like, yeah, I think consistency does equal trust, but I think it, I think it, pervades like a lot of the things that she does is just that she's um yeah very very consistent there's one thing that's yeah. awesome thank you so much so corinne before we wrap up is there any question i haven't asked you that you think wow i should really say something about this to the business owners listening today oh man uh well you had on your list like what's your big hairy audacious goal yeah. Um, and I mean, it's, it's to be, I, I said to somebody a little while ago to be like the Arlene Dickinson, but for legal literacy, like, again, just to be just to elevate the whole conversation mm -hmm. of legal literacy across Canada for small business owners, and to just have it much more a part of conversations. Um, so I want, you know, business owners to be thinking of it. It's funny. So one of the things Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And it's one of the things that I really want to be doing more of is going and speaking in other people's communities. Um, again, to just put that conversation on the radar. I find when people list who am I looking for as a podcast guest, even to just use that narrow example, almost never is there like a legal person on the list because people think, oh God, like, yeah, what are we going to be talking about? It's going to be snooze fest. So yeah. I just want people, I just want it to be more part of the conversation. And I think the financial industry, financial advisors and accountants have done a, a better, like a good job of putting financial literacy, yeah. you know, on people's radars, that this is something that you can understand and, and be an active participant in. Mm -hmm. So that's what I, that's what I really want is my, you know, looking back for people to be like, oh yeah, Corinne Maduro was that, that legal chick who was always talking about legal stuff for small business owners in a way that was relatable and understandable. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't even, I, I, uh, I haven't even mentioned that I've started trying to learn to play my friend's accordion. So I'm trying no. to figure out how I can like, yeah, somehow flip, that in. flip that into. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a nice segue. Yes, absolutely. So what I'm taking away from our conversation today, Corinne, is that the real bottom line is, Legal liter literacy is essential as the owner of a business and it sh and legal should be a system in your business. Yeah, absolutely. Thank I you. Couldn't, I couldn't have said that better myself, Wendy. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, thanks very much for your time today, Corinne. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.